Welcome to Digital Detectives, reports from the battlefront. We'll discuss computer forensics, electronic discovery, and information security issues and what's really happening in the trenches. Not theory, but practical information that you can use in your law practice, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the 45th edition of Digital Detectives. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Sharon Nelson, president of Sensei Enterprises. We would like to take this time to thank our sponsor, Digital War Room, one of the leading platforms for e-discovery. And I'm John Simic, vice president of Sensei Enterprises. Today on Digital Detectives, our topic is the playbook for digital investigations. We're delighted to welcome Patrick Oot, who is a partner in the D.C. office of Shook, Hardy, and Bacon, LLP, where he leads the practice on e-compliance and digital investigations. He is one of the few e-discovery and compliance attorneys in the nation that possesses the tripartite experience of an in-house corporate counsel from a Fortune 16 organization, a senior attorney at a federal regulatory agency, and a partner in a large law firm. Patrick has extensive experience advising on discovery and investigative matters involving commercial litigation, compliance, regulatory requests, antitrust matters, and personnel issues. Prior to joining Shook, Patrick was senior special counsel at the SEC, where he co-chaired the agency's cross-divisional electronic discovery action team and co-authored the SEC Electronic Discovery and Litigation Response Manual. Prior to the SEC, he was director of electronic discovery at Verizon. Thanks so much for joining us today, Patrick. Thanks, John and Sharon. I'm so happy to be here. This is such an important issue for the, for folks to face. Um, and it's so important that uh, attorneys understand that they really need to be prepared uh, on technology issues when they start to investigate both criminal and civil uh, matters for their clients. Well, th- this is a hot issue, Patrick. So let us uh, hear from you. When you left the SEC to join Shook, Hardy, and Bacon, uh, you have a new position title now. So tell us about that and how your new job involves digital investigations. Well, when I was at the agency, I was so fortunate to work uh, with so many experienced and dedicated uh, people. For example, I worked with the forensics team on uh, personnel issues the IT team and the forensic teams on uh, congressional requests. Uh, it, was, it was kind of a pretty commonplace practice inside of the uh, agency. We also had um, a number of uh, false alarms uh, for data breach response, uh, but it was really important to, uh, to get the, the ship in order to ensure that everybody was focusing on these issues because of how important they are to not just uh, the commercial space, but also the, um, the, the federal agencies as well. We had other matters that focused on, uh, you know, uh, PDA devices and um, iPhones, Blackberries uh, that were involved in investigations, and uh, the ISPs are the Internet Service Providers that those devices connect to. Um, those things would be uh, like Hotmail accounts, uh, things in the cloud like uh, Amazon or uh, even uh, the new offering from Microsoft on Office 365. So. Really, that's been a core focus, not just in uh, the regulatory environment, but also the work that um, more my partner and I are doing at Shook. Uh, we're seeing uh, many clients struggling with cloud impl- implementations uh, who are concerned about uh, government access to these data sources outside of the firewall. This concern is uh, particularly acute after the recent Snowden and data breaches like Target and P.F. Chang's. Uh, so clients have been really looking to us for help on uh, ECPA issues or the Electronic Communications Privacy Act 
and sort of communication act uh, communication act issues and the interpretation of those uh, around the cloud agreements. Uh, so to answer your question more succinctly, uh, clients are, are not just concerned with the digital investigations that they're managing inside their firewall, uh, but also um, those that are directed at them from the outside, whether they be for government investigations or just outright hackers. Hmm. Well, well, Patrick, I know that folks pretty much know that you're going to have some sort of investigation if you have a data breach, but can you tell our listeners a little bit about the kinds of incidents that might lead to a digital investigation? Like I mentioned previously, um, data breaches, employee misconduct, uh, intellectual property theft, and insider trading um, are all important uh, matters that digital investigations focus on uh, obtaining crucial digital evidence. We all leave digital footprints across the enterprise and the Internet. Um, A real example of this is how we all work from day to day uh, in our computers is a, a case where I saw an employee using a stolen password to access a network resource to steal um, early information around a, um, a, a quarterly report on an earnings statement for a company and um, really pulling that information and trading on that information prior to the actual report to the public. So uh, this particular employee was seeing uh, unbelievable returns on his fraudulent investment but it was very difficult to prove how uh, that employee accessed it because there was no record of his user ID on the actual network share. However, uh, the digital investigation team was able to uh, determine based upon access to that folder and the changing of the display of that folder to that user. So he or she accessed a, um, a folder changed the look from small icons to big icons, that view was stored on his or her computer and uh, later um, recorded that um, they accessed that network drive. So we were able to show a connection between uh, the access to the materials that were on the network share using the stolen password directly to this particular user. So um, it's very important to understand technology and uh, how these things work, um, and then really figuring out how to link it all up together. Well, what what are the steps, Patrick, when you're you're starting out in a digital investigation? You know, preservation, just like in litigation, is the most important thing. Uh, it's where you can get in the most trouble. Uh, as soon as you find out about an issue, figure out how you're going to preserve all of the evidence. Um, chain of custody after the fact. So once you are touching the evidence, uh, making sure that you're documenting all of this stuff uh, is super important. Uh, And making sure that you're conducting interviews with key staff as you're moving along in the investigation. Documentation, documentation, documentation. If it's an internal investigation uh, and you're later presenting to a regulator, you better be sure you can later defend your conduct. Um, you might want to consider uh, a third-party honest broker uh, that has a, a experience in forensic investigations or digital investigations uh, involved in, in those sensitive matters where trust is a, a real issue. Well, Patrick, some of the things that you've been describing already, I mean, certainly the, the forensic examiners, the digital investigators, you know, the, the, the things that I do you know, quite a bit get involved in that. But what about other folks uh, aside from that? Anybody else that needs to be involved when you're doing these investigations? Investigations. Well, unfortunately, a lot of this is need to know. You know, with a lot of these investigations, you you really want the uh, most senior leadership focusing resources on this and not having an all hands on deck type of approach. 
if you have a sort of digital investigation issue, a data breach, or other sort of um, issue where you're accessing remote machines, you might uh, be wise to, uh, to include the chief information security officer, the chief information officer, chief technology officer, and even the chief and compliance officer if it's outside of the scope of the general counsel. I know it really depends how the organization is set up. Sometimes the CCO reports to uh, the CEO or the board, or sometimes it's directly to the general counsel. So there are a lot of real issues there um, of who you have at the table, uh, but it's important to uh, make it a, a need-to-know approach and make sure that you have the appropriate leadership on board to bring in the right people. I, I think a lot of people either, you know, they're not prepared at all or they're only partially prepared. But one of the things that they ask us all the time is how do you go about when something happens? How do you go about finding a good digital investigator or investigators? <laughs> yeah, and that might be one of those instances that we were talking about earlier. Like, let's say um, the CSO doesn't have the resources to bring in to work on this. An outside expert would be a, a sort of a great approach uh, alternatively, if it's the business unit within the CSO's business unit or the business unit that uh, could be the uh, chief technology officer that could be the subject of the investigation, the last thing you want to do is have people that have stakes in the matter really involved in the, uh, the conduct around collecting um, and preserving evidence. So bringing in uh, a third party would be very important in those instances. Uh, secondly, um, experience and credibility are crucial here. Your candidates have to know your business and your regulatory landscape. They have to know the rules around um, what sort of uh, record-keeping obligations apply to your organization. You really have to have that solid understanding of the business to uh, move forward and navigate around the IT environment. What about internal investigations, Patrick? What, what should people be considering when they're embarking upon those? Again, uh, you know, maintain your credibility, uh, preserve evidence, and be prepared to make disclosures to regulators. Uh, proper documentation and early reporting can be the difference in millions of dollars in fines in some industries. Let me give you an example. Um, one company could self-report um, and get a stiff fine, uh, but the company that comes in next uh, could be subject to really massive fines and potential jail time. Believe it or not, uh, in the competitive industry where there are multiple failures from many companies, reporting times can differ by a matter of hours that can equal a difference of millions of dollars in fines. Wow. Well, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and our sponsor, the Digital War Room Platform for Rediscovery. Don't be caught unprepared for e-discovery. Digital War Room e-discovery software allows you to search, review, mark, and produce responsive email and documents. Powerful enough for your biggest cases, but easy enough for first-time e-discovery attorneys. Geeks need not apply. Digital War Room has a solution for every client, every case, and every budget. Visit www.digitalwarroom.com for a free trial and see how easy e-discovery can be. Make your next case your best case with Digital War Room. Welcome back to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Today, our topic is the playbook for digital investigations. Our guest is Patrick Oot, a partner with Shook Hardy and Bacon, 
who leads the practice on e-compliance and digital investigations. And if you've been hearing uh, some noise during all this, there's been some thunder <laughs> in Patrick's neck of the woods. You're having quite a storm there, Patrick. Yeah, thanks, Sharon. I, uh, Tropical Storm Arthur is, is right outside my window. Believe it or not. So uh, hopefully I'll be able to make it through uh, this without uh, any any um, trouble from uh, from the storm. We're crossing our fingers, too, to make sure our power stays on here, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Anyway, we've never, we've never had such dramatic sound effects, so thank you for the, the colorful addition to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> to go back to more pragmatic things, why is um, broad-based technology knowledge so important in these digital investigations? You know, as we talked about earlier, um, so much of our conduct is tracked by digital footprints uh, all over uh, the computer enterprise uh, inside an organization, uh, you really can't manage a proper narrative to your regulators without understanding uh, the technologies that your employees use, whether they both be inside your firewall or at some of those cloud providers. Uh, you really have to understanding um, what others can access as well, including uh, the government without your consent. So uh, it's not just this, this broad-based technology knowledge. You also have to understand the regulatory context as well. Hmm. So we talked a little bit, Patrick, about data breaches, and, and we know that you just need to look at a, the newspaper every single day to see that they're, they're popping up everywhere, including in, in law firms. Can you tell us a little bit about, is there any difference between a data breach in a law firm investigation versus others? You know, this is uh, really complicated, and unfortunately, uh, you know, Shook has taken a, a real early position um, around protecting data. Uh, we have a, a great chief information security officer we were early involved in, um, in tobacco litigation, uh, in uh, products liability litigation, where uh, the adversaries in litigation might not have uh, played fair. So protecting client information has been a number one priority at Shook. And, um, you know, I'm sure that it is at many firms, but uh, more at Shook than any other. You know, as I said, this is really complicated uh, if you have to conduct an investigation after the fact, um, because it's not just one client uh, you have the issue with. With some firms, it could be hundreds, if not thousands of clients. So you really need to vet outside breach investigators for conflicts with multiple clients, multiple issues. Um, it's so complicated. And then there's the trust factor, too, uh, why uh, you really lose uh, that credibility with your client when something like this happens. Uh, so um, uh, we're seeing a lot of firms, not just uh, should pay attention to this, but you know, hopefully we'll get to a point with, um, with the community in general, not just the legal community, that uh, data breaches won't be so difficult. Uh, I know um, some positive stuff that's happening in the cloud. I know Office 365 has moved to file-level encryption on the, um, on, on the Exchange platform. So that means that folks uh, need the encryption keys to access those files. And uh, the offering that has been recently put out allows the user to retain those encryption keys within the firewall. So what's out in the cloud is dumb data. I've also understood, um, and I, I haven't seen this in a relief, but just through a narrative through the community, that they're moving uh, SharePoint on Office 365 to file-level encryption, too. So it's one layer of protection that law firms migrating to the cloud, big or small, might have to offer the, uh, their clients and the community in general and protect information. 
is that for protecting for data breaches or protecting against the NSA? <laughs> or both? <laughs> I think that if um, the NSA wants it, uh, no matter what encryption you're going to put on it, uh, <laughs> I think that they're, they're going to have access to it. Also, you know, the other aspect of this, right, is that if it's in your firewall and the NSA wants it, I, I'd imagine that they would probably have the ability to get to it as well. Yeah, well, we're, we have the same cynical view of that. <laughs> <laughs> so how can lawyers prepare for any kind of digital investigation of advance of disasters and incidents? You know, the first thing I do um, when I'm talking to clients is you have to understand the day in the life of a user, or the day in the life of a gigabyte. Um, you know, how does data migrate from the user into the enterprise and back again? You have to walk through that narrative with them and say, okay, I walk up to my terminal and then what happens? And then what happens? And then what happens? So you can really understand, um, you know, the, the data that um, the particular user touches to find out what may or may not be relevant. Those sort of early interviews are so important. And it, it, it also makes sense not just to talk to the leadership inside of the legal department or the business unit. You have to talk to the users. It takes a little more time, but having that sort of confidence in, in the data uh, that, that is managed by your clients it will give you the credibility um, that you need when reporting to regulators and even your adversary in just traditional litigation. So, Patrick, I know that our listeners are really going to like this, but t- tell us about your favorite digital investigation story, whether it was you know something from the press or something that you, you yourself were involved with. Uh, recently, uh, you know, we've seen uh, a lot of issues uh, related to uh, government investigations um, inside the government itself. And uh, I recently wrote on Law Technology News uh, an article about uh, the, the recent IRS email crisis and um, the, uh, the leadership of the IRS really being put on the spot by Congress of how they retained email and how they conducted an investigation in um, a particular uh, inquiry that, that they were managing. The problem that we're seeing is identifying how much is enough, um, you know, what's reasonable under the circumstances. That is the real challenge, I think, that all attorneys face when they're, when they're trying to grapple uh, forensic investigations. They're extremely expensive. You have a lot of extremely talented individuals at, uh, unfortunately, a high price inside of the organization. You have to make sure that, you know, what you're doing meets at least the minimum standard of what would be reasonable to, uh, to manage the investigation. And, and what I was focusing on really in, um, in the IRS article uh, is, look, we are given a certain set of resources to manage our digital information. Whether or, they not, they, whether or not they be uh, Rolls-Royce type digital investigation tools or even um, enterprise storage tools, or alternatively, just the bare minimum, the Chevrolet of managing your message, messaging, you've got to really focus on what you have available to you. So it's really interesting about that case because it's the one time where congressional appropriations or the data requesting party controls the budget of the data holder. So um, unlike a plaintiff and defendant type situation, there we have congressional appropriations limiting the amount of money that the um, IRS, the agency, can use to store email and then beating up the IRS later on on how they actually stored the email. So um, it's a really interesting story and a really interesting problem. Um, and I, I don't know, uh, you know how it's going to come out, but um, I, I feel really um, 
heartfelt for the federal employees that are managing this right now. I'm, I'm sure they're doing a great job. And um, hopefully this whole thing will wrap up soon. Very, very interesting. I was thinking about doing a blog post on that uh, particular story, Patrick. So if you want to send me a link to your LTN story, I would be delighted. So I know lawyers want to learn more about digital investigations. And of course, when they really want to learn is when something terrible has happened and now they really need to know about them. But are there resources that you could point them to? Yeah, I can't uh, leave this interview or conversation without uh, mentioning uh, Legal Tech, of course. Um, I've been chair of the advisory board for a couple of years now, and like all things technology and law, um, it's an important event. Uh, it's February 4th through the 6th, this coming um, 2015 in New York at the Hilton. It's been there for years, but you don't have to listen to me. Uh, check out LegalTechShow.com. Uh, I'm also on the, on the board of the Electronic Discovery Institute, which is a nonprofit. Uh, we're hosting our fourth annual leadership summit, um, which we're doing every year. This coming year is in Fort Lauderdale, October 15th to the 17th. Uh, there, if you're an in-house, uh, in-house practitioner and looking to uh, benchmark with other organizations on um, digital investigations and other types of technology issues in law, um, check us out. Um, we have a good swath of the Fortune 1000 represented in that uh, URL is edisummit.org. Well, all of that is very helpful, um, Patrick, and it's really been great to talk to you about this. This is a subject that you really don't see on podcasts uh, very often, if at all. So we were delighted to have someone with your expertise join us as a guest. And we, I know your, your time is very short and uh, you have many things to do, but thank you for breaking into your schedule to allow us to do this. And John and Sharon, thanks for having me. This has been a great opportunity, and I look forward to seeing it online and tweeting it out to the world. (laughs) Well, that does it for this edition of Digital Detectives. And remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. If you enjoy this podcast, please review us on iTunes. And you can find out more about Sensei's digital forensics, technology, and security services at www.senseient.com. We'll see you next time on Digital Detectives. Thanks for listening to Digital Detectives on the Legal Talk Network. Check out some of our other podcasts on LegalTalkNetwork.com and in iTunes.